You know, I had some of you guys ask me um, why, uh, why we don't meet in August. Most of you know, but some of the new folks asked me why we don't meet in August. Um, well, it was Sunday, August 7th, 2016, and we had 12 people counting me. Okay, this is one reason we don't meet in August. I'm not saying 12 people can't competently and, and with great enthusiasm. Two or more, amen. Well said. So I need to revisit our church policy. You were here. I want everybody to know that Amy was here and she was ready to worship the Lord. Uh, but God gives us the grace and mercy to go home and see our elderly moms and it's a good time for us to do that. So... Uh, but on that date, I, I, was, I was struggling because I was trying to get started on a book that God had laid on my heart to write, and I could not find the title. I'd, I kind of knew the book for a year before I ever got the title. And for me, if you've ever written a book or something similar, uh, you kind of have to know the title before you can begin because the title, it has to kind of incarnate and incorporate the message in as few words as possible. I, I still remember, again, August 7th, 2016, 12 people counting me. And I was preaching through the Psalms, and I hit Psalm 29. You might as well go ahead and turn to Psalm 29. And I hit the title. The title of the book was right there in Psalm 29.9. It's a little-known psalm. It's mostly ignored. David is watching a thunderstorm pass through Lebanon. That's the whole premise of the, of, the, uh, of the psalm. And David is worshiping. The created order is having its intended effect upon David. Okay? So let's just stop and let's read it. Psalm 29. I tell you what, I always like for you to stand when I just read uh, the Word of God. So let's stand again if you don't mind. And let me just read the psalm for you. A psalm of David, Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, angels. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in holy attire. David is watching this thunderstorm pass through Lebanon and, 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 and worship is rising up in his heart. Verse 3, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in His temple, there it is, everything says glory. I love that title. Verse 10, the Lord sat as the king uh, at the flood, at the judgment, Noah's flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. He's the reigning God. The Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. You may be seated. So, I found the title. So why the book? Um, what did I do with it? Here it is. Everything says glory. And the subtitle is Science, 
exposes Darwinian folklore. So why the book? Well, as you know, we have a lot of young adults always matriculating through the church, uh, master's students, sometimes Ph.D. students, and I always get this question. How do you reconcile Darwin with Genesis 1 and 2? How do you reconcile Darwin with this? How do you do it? And so I was always faced with this question. And it seemed good to me, you know, to get pretty well read on the subject so I could answer the question. And the more I read, the more I worshipped God, right? The more I read the science, the more I worshipped God. And I thought, this is very profitable for me <laughs> to be reading the science. Good science, not pseudoscience, good science. You read good science, objective science, empirical science. You read the good stuff, you end up worshipping God. As Ph.D. Uh, Stephen Meyer says, microbiologist, science done right points to God. How could it not point to God? He invented it, right? Okay, let me give you the tease on the back of the cover. Ultimately, I'm going to just go through Psalm 29. But I wanted to introduce you to, to the book. And you don't have to buy one. If you want one, I'll have a case of them, God willing, next week, if you're interested. I know this kind of book is not for everybody. Although, I would say to you, you will end up being more in awe of God. I've been telling my friends that as I finish the study and the writing of the book, I fear God more now than I ever have. I trust God more now than I ever have. I fall on God more now than I ever did. Beloved, He is just here. He's the empirical God. He's here. If you haven't read a book on this in a couple of years, well, let me just read you the tease. Cutting-edge science has revealed that Darwinian evolutionary theory is dead. The post-mortem is complete. Yes, of course, the God hypothesis is indispensable. Christian, we have the data. God is calling you to wield it. Read, learn, worship, and tell. <laughs> we have the science. You probably don't know that, and that's why I wrote the book. You probably don't know that theists, particularly Christians, have the science. Infinite mind is there. Infinite mind cannot not be there, particularly as science has gotten into microbiology. Um, you know, Darwin postulated the simple cell. Ask any microbiologist. There's no such thing as a simple cell. Every cell is infinitely complex. If, you, if you're not current on your reading, you don't know any of this. You just know the party line, right? You just know what the propaganda machine puts out there. My, my challenge to you is, if this is something that you don't understand well, and most Christians don't, and that's why I wrote the book, most Christians don't understand this well. You know, I always get the question, how do you reconcile Darwin with the Bible? Well, I can honestly say you cannot do it. Now, I know that a lot of, many Christians, uh, many Christians like to say, well, I'm a... Uh, theistic evolutionist. Well, I just want to say to you, if that's your current position, you need to read the science. For one thing, you can't reconcile with any intellectual integrity the Bible and Darwin. It cannot be done. I know that many people try to do it. It cannot with any intellectual integrity be done. You cannot read Darwin into Genesis 1 and 2. You cannot do it.
So we all have to decide, <laughs> you know, am I going to listen to the, the hypotheses of man? And I, I want to share with you one scientist said that the Darwin hypothesis is not even a hypothesis because it's unfalsifiable. You cannot falsify Darwin. Whatever they find, it's interpreted to prove evolution. You, it's, it's unfalsifiable. It's not even a proper scientific hypothesis. Yes, I know, I, know the unbe- I know the unbelieving world gets mad at us when we talk like this. But you know what? <laughs> it's like one scientist I, I read said, you know? You, uh, he said, I couldn't believe the rest of the Bible till I believed the first page. So that's the impetus. That is the impetus of the book George Orwell, it's a, this saying is attributed to him, during times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. And listen, I get this. I get all kinds of grief about this. Of course, people expect me to say this. I'm a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching pastor. Of course, I'm a fundamentalist. I'm a knuckle-dragger. You know, uh, I'm a... Yeah, I, I'm a science denier. But what I want to say to you, if you'll actually pick up the science and read it, Darwinists are the 21st century science deniers. They are the flat earthers of the 21st century. Um, I challenge you to read uh, Anthony Flew's book, There is a God. Now why that title is significant is he was the most notorious atheist of the 20th century. You know what turned him? He's not a Yes, he is. He did become a Christian. I thought he was just a theist. I, just, I remember now he is a Christian. You know what turned him? Science turned him. You know what particular aspect of science turned him? Microbiology and genetics. You know how many characters of uh, information are in every one of your cells? You know how much code? You know what code is? You know how much code is in every one of your cells? It's called DNA. You know how much code is in every one of your cells? Except your red blood cells, 40 to 100 trillion cells in your body. You know how much code's in there? 3.5 billion characters of code is in there. Where does code come from? You go ask any software writer, where does code come from? Where does code come from? There's only one place code comes from. And that's an intellect. It's the longest word, as John Lennox says, the longest word ever discovered. You know, if you're walking down the beach and you see your name written in the sand, was it unguided process and chance? Or was there a mind behind it? Beloved, there, you, you, can't, you can't even superficially read about microbiology and not get on your face and worship God. You simply can't do it. You simply can't do it. The whole, inf- the whole revolution of information science, it's changed everything. And the, ma- the, the fact of the matter is, scientists are abandoning Darwin in great numbers. Now, I know you don't know this. I know it's not, it's not in the media. It's not in the New York Times. It's not on 60 Minutes. <laughs> you know, uh, no, it's not, it doesn't fit their agenda, so they're not going to tell you. So my challenge to you is to read. My challenge to you is to read. And you can start with my book or not. It's immaterial to me. I hope it's of value to some people. But I wrote it. What happened between me and God in writing the book, He changed me fundamentally. 
And it's good to fear God. It's good. It's good to be in awe of God. It's good to know that, as Stephen Meyer says, PhD Stephen Meyer says, his book, 600 pages, it's entitled Signature in the Cell. God's biological autograph is in every one of your cells. You cannot deny it. It's just the truth. You can choose to deny it, as many do. But again, my challenge to you is, don't, don't ever take my word for anything. You know? It's part of the problem in some of the modern church. Well, the pastor said it. So what? If it's not biblical, so what? If it's biblical... Yeah, okay. And if it's credible, okay. I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll investigate it. I'm not going to swallow it whole. And I'm not going to reject it out of hand. I'll investigate. Hey, you want to worship God? Go spend two years studying creation. He will rock your world. He will rock your world with who He is. I, I say in the book... <laughs> I read a couple books that are way over my head. But you know, you read these books and you just realize how smart God is, right? I said it last week. He's a genius physicist. He's a genius neurologist. He's a genius biologist. I mean, he's a genius microbiologist. He... Our God is awesome. And you're supposed to read that off the created order. I, 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 I love John Piper, as you know, and I heard him say uh, recently, um, you know, Creation is God. It's, it's about God. It's about God. And if you're not worshiping God off the created order, then you're missing, you're missing what it's all about. You're missing what it's all about. So, I want, I want you to understand. In the book, I don't make the theological argument. I'm not making a theological argument. I want, you, I want to tell you what I'm doing in the book. And then I'll get into the text. I'm not making a theological argument for God and, the, and that He's the Creator and that Darwin is pseudoscience, Big Bang is pseudoscience. I'm not, I'm not making that argument. What I'm doing is making the empirical argument. What is the empirical argument? There are, as I was telling Rohan, there are, I, I have 470 footnotes in the book. Okay, This is not what I think. Nobody cares what I think. Some of you don't care what I think. Nobody cares what the pastor of a, you know, crummy little church in Milan, meeting in a garage, thinks. Nobody cares what I think. But I'll tell you what they do care about. What do 470 scientists have to say about it? And I'm just quoting guys. You can reject it or receive it. I'm just quoting guys. Chapter 5 is fearfully and wonderfully coded. David had no idea how fearfully and wonderfully made he was. He had no idea. There were 3.5 billion characters of information in every one of his cells. He had no idea. He absolutely had no idea. You do, or you should know. If you read it all, <laughs> you should know. My challenge to you is to catch up on your reading if you, if you need to. Because you're missing out on a couple of things. One, you're missing out on a, 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 just an astonishing avenue of worship. 
And secondarily, you're missing out on an opportunity to share the glory of God in creation with your friends. Okay? Again, I'm not touting the book. I don't want you to buy a book. I don't care if I sell one copy of the book. It was all about what happened between me and God. Okay? <laughs> in writing the book. I hope it's valuable to some. Um, I think it's true in every respect. And I commend it to you if you are interested in these things. So why do people believe Darwin? I know why some of you believe it. Because you were taught it in school by an authority. An authority figure taught you that Darwin is true. That's why you believe it. Yes, all the evidence is anecdotal. Um, there, there's no question about it. Yes, uh, almost every missing link, uh, so-called missing link that was found in the 20th century has since been shown to not be a missing link. Some of it was just fraud. You got Man, you've got to read up on this stuff, man. You, 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 it's probably the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on the mind of man. And I can hear Satan laughing. I can hear him laughing. So I'm going to give you four passages, then we're going to get into the text. What is creation about? It's about, you know, Isaiah 6.3. We kind of sang it tonight. tonight. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Every, uh, the whole earth is full of His glory. It's the first biblical quote in the book. The whole earth is full of His glory. Could God have, had used, could God have used Darwinism? Yeah, I guess, but He didn't. He says he didn't, and science reveals that he didn't. Okay, I'm talking about coherent science. I'm talking about facts. I'm not talking about storytelling. You know, when you read about Darwin, it's just mostly storytelling. You got guys, you got guys with uh, PhDs after their name, and they're telling a story. There's not any evidence. There's not one shred of evidence. It kind of goes to show you how easily deceived the world is. How, how the world will run to a lie before it will ever, you know, listen to God. I did look at the statistics, and I wanted to share them with you. Um, this, is, this is a poll from Reuters done in 06 from 24 countries. 41% of the people believe in some form of Darwinism. 28% are creationists and 31% haven't read enough to make a decision on it. <laughs> Listen, what's more important than understanding where you came from, beloved? What's more important? What's more important than that? Oh, I don't read very well. What? Did God provide you a teacher and enable you to read? Did He give you a good mind? Read! Read and worship, right? Read and worship! So the bottom line is, there are more people who reject Darwinism than accept Darwinism. If you just take these numbers as a whole, they either reject or they don't know. My challenge to you is to know and to speak the truth in the world. So holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Psalm 19, 1 and 2. You guys know the great text. David wrote it. The heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. God means for you to go out and look into the Milky Way and be in awe and realize that infinity awaits you. You're supposed to read God off the cosmos. 
No. It didn't come from nothing. It all didn't come from nothing. No, that's incoherent. No, that's illogical. No, that's irrational. <laughs> I've got a quote in here. Let's see if I can find it just real quick uh, on the, the, the first chapter, maybe the Big Bang. But I love what uh, one of the guys says here. He says, uh, if I can find it. Here we go. It's Orwell again. He says, we've now sunk to a new depth where the restatement of the obvious is the first duty of intelligent men. Okay. I'm simply restating the obvious. You can accept it. You can reject it. That's up to you. If you're not informed on these matters, I would encourage you to read the book. Again, don't buy it. I don't want any of you to buy my book. Okay? not hawking my book. I'll give you a copy. I should have them next week. I already referred to this passage. David says, I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. So let me ask you, do you know it? Listen, this is what happened to me in the writing of this book. I know it like I've never known it before. He's the empirical God. He's not theoretical in any possible sense. Infinite mind is there. Anthony Flew. <laughs> Did I finish saying, talking about Anthony Flew? Yeah, the notorious atheist of the 20th century. The title of his book is God is There. The subtitle is How the Most Notorious Atheist Came to God. It was good science. Good science will drive you to God. He invented science. There's no, there, there's no uh, incongruity between God and science. That's a, that's a false allegation. That's a false choice. God is agency. Science is mechanism. Right? God is just the ultimate agent. Science is just describes the mechanism that God has used. So, you know the famous text. Let me go there real quick. Romans 1, 20-23. This is... Uh, a fundamental text that I use quite often. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, God's eternal power, God's divine nature have been what? Clearly seen. Being understood through what has been made so that mankind is without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations. Insert Darwinism. It's really laughable, beloved. Um, it, it's always been in, intuitively preposterous to me. And as I began to get into it, it became more and more so. God continues, Man's foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the, an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. We're supposed to read the glory of God off the created order. And you guys know this if you've been around very long. What is the chief end of man? If you ever learned a catechism, what is the chief end of man? Pardon me? Did someone say something? Or was that Oscar? To glorify God. And enjoy Him forever. Excellent, Amy. I learned that in my son's kindergarten class. You know, when you teach children, you learn a ton of stuff. 
And Karen's going to ask some of you to help the teach your children, te teach the children possibly, because she's got a, a good number of them, as compared to most recently. <laughs> you were created to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Some of you get that, and some of you are seeking to live your life this way. Some of you don't get it at all. You don't get that you exist for one reason. It's not because, it's not that the universe is about you. I always say this to you. It's not about the reflection in the mirror. Some of you still think it is. You still think it's about the reflection in the mirror. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ, and it's not about anything less than Jesus Christ. He's the point! You know, people say, well, how could man be the only you know, intelligent being in the cosmos. There are two trillion galaxies, the latest estimate. Two trillion galaxies. What's that about? It's just a picture of God. God's infinite. You're supposed to read God's infinite off two trillion galaxies. You're supposed to read omnipotent power off two trillion galaxies. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. Go read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, 4, and 5. Nothing was created that, nothing came into being that's come into being except what he's brought into being. It's all about Jesus, beloved. It's just all about him. It's just all about him. So, the chief, chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To enjoy him forever. Let me just. Let me define glory real quick and then we'll just go through the text quite, quite quickly. Glory is a little bit of a slippery word. Some of us don't really know how to define it. Um, it's obvious that we cannot quantify the infinite glory of God in any possible way. But here's a credible definition. It's what we teach our kids. It's from the ABCs of God. God's glory is the beauty and His God's glory is the beauty of His manifold perfections, including His bright, awesome radiance and the infinite moral excellence of His character. God's glory signifies His infinite greatness and worth. It's what creation is shouting to all of us. <laughs> I promise you, get into good science, you'll be on your face. You will be on your face. There's nowhere else to go. You know, Francis Schaeffer, 20th century apologist, Christian apologist, he said, the blackness of modern man is buying into the uncreatedness of things. Buying into the purely materialistic aspect of, of what, is, what is called scientism. It's really... In many places, it's more of a religion than uh, empirical. The blackness of modern man's heart flows out of the fact he's lost the appreciation and knowledge that he is created. He's a created being. Listen, if you realize you're a created being, that naturally engenders humility. If you don't believe that you're created, if you do believe that, you know, you're a grown-up germ, all bets are off. Do whatever you want. You know? And again, I go back to theistic evolution. Please, just catch up on your reading. You'll discard that very quickly if, if that's where you are. You'll discard that quite quickly. Um, it, 
is not credible in, in any possible sense. C.S. Lewis says regarding creation, we are to be amazed at the divine, mysterious, magical, terrifying ecstasy of existence, living, and being. Some of you take living and being for granted. You get up, you roll out of bed, your brain's working, your diaphragm's working. You haven't thanked God all week. You're never thinking that you have enough food. It's His food! It's His air! The whole earth is His! We sing it! The whole earth is His! There's no excuse for thanklessness. And it's epidemic in what is called the modern church. Just utter, complete thanklessness. Well, God didn't save my son! God didn't prosper me. God didn't do X, Y, Z for me. So I'm going to throw a tantrum. Beloved, this costs God nothing. And it costs you everything. I have people close to me in my life that are still throwing tantrums to, toward God for the last ten years. It's utter stupidity. And I promise you, if you get into the minutia of creation, you'll get on your face and you'll worship this astonishing God that not only spoke it into existence, but upholds it. You know, scientists can describe gravity, but they don't know what it is. They don't know what the electromagnetic force is. They don't know what the weak nuclear force is. They don't know what the strong nuclear force is. They don't know why the atom holds together. They don't know! They can describe it to you. They don't know what holds it together. I'll tell you what holds it together. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, by the word of His power, He holds it together, beloved. By the word of His power. He is a great God worthy of worship. And if you don't worship Him in a very humble and broken and contrite and repentant way, then you don't know anything about Him. You haven't caught a genuine glimpse of Him. Because if you have, He'll blow you away. He'll blow you away. Creation. You remember when Job had a question? Okay, I'm going to get to the text in a minute. And I promise not to preach too long. Because it's just David talking about a thunderstorm. I read it to you. And now I forgot what I was going to say. My mind was going somewhere, and then I went somewhere else. Huh? I love it when someone's actually paying attention. Um, I found out I'm not a very, very good communicator because people don't remember what I say almost uh, at all. But, uh, you know, what was I saying? Job had a question. How did God answer? Do you remember? He didn't answer Job's question. He's probably never going to answer your questions. He's certainly not going to answer the why question. He comes asking Job 70 questions. 
essentially, who are you to question me? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, Job, if you know about this. And there are like 70 questions there where God just asked Job. He said, he says, gird up your loins like a man and you, you instruct me. Where were you? When I place the boundaries on the sea, when I cause the dawn to know its place, when, when I make the seeds of grass to sprout, etc., etc., etc. What is God's point when He comes to Job? When Job questions God's wisdom and, and, and uh, yeah, His, his uh, ability to manage the cosmos, what is God's answer? His, his answer is, look at the creation. You're going to question me? Look at the creation. My point here, if you need a jump start to worship God, my book might help you. Because <laughs> I confess it in chapter 7. I believe more than I've ever believed before. And I've believed a lot! I'm not bragging to you. But yeah, I left a business career at 42 to go to seminary. We came here with nothing on faith. I believe God for some stuff. I'm not a rookie. I'm not a novice. But now I really believe Him. And I really tremble before this great God. And listen, all's a good thing. All's your fuel, beloved. All's a good thing. It's your fuel. It is your fuel. Three times here, verses 1 and 2. Three times. David says, ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. What does it mean to ascribe? It means to give or attribute. Well, we know, don't we? We can't give anything to God. If we're biblically literate, we understand. Even what we give to God, God gave to us first. You know, I love, I love C.S. Lewis's. I just want to read this to you because I love this. Uh, this makes me laugh every time I think about it. He says, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or moving uh, moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your life exclusively, exclusively to His service, you could not give Him anything that was not in some sense already given to you. It's like a small child going to his father and saying, Daddy, give me six pence to buy you a birthday present. It's all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is six pence to the good. Right? You can't give God anything. What's David saying? David's saying, attribute to God His greatness. It's like I told you last week, man. You need to be talking to your friends about this stuff. You know, you, you need, Your children need to be, be informed on the glory of God because of what you have to say. The words coming out of your mouth and the way you live. You're a vapor upon the earth. You're here for one principal reason. That is to glorify God. And if you think you're here for anything less than that, you have been deceived. And as John Piper would say, you're wasting your life on triviality. Beloved, I say these things in love. I don't want you to waste another day. I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to take your vapor and I want you to invest it in the kingdom of God. No matter what your vocation, it doesn't matter what your vocation is. You glorify God in your vocation. You glorify God in your family. You glorify God in your finances. Obviously in the church. 
I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase here, verses 1 and 2. Bravo, God! Bravo! Let all the angels shout encore in awe before the glory, in awe before God's visible power. David's watching a thunderstorm and he's driven to his face in worship to God. A thunderstorm is a powerful display of the power of God, but it is nothing as compared to, you know, the power that's evident in the created order. You, you, you look at the sun, 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. I forget how many earths will fit in there a lot. I think it's, I can't remember. You can do your homework. The largest star in the cosmos is... You gotta up, you gotta you gotta get current, man. It's it's UI Scooty. Okay, I'm gonna get this right. UI Scooty. Okay. Okay, there's one million Earths could fit in the sun, and then you got you got UI Scooty. Okay, it has a volume five. Listen, five billion times that of the sun. The sun is the hiding of God's power. A thunderstorm is nothing. And David is worshiping. I'm trying to set some of you free, beloved. If you're not amazed at what's out there, if you're not amazed at what's in here and what's in here, one guy said, one scientist said, the brain is one of the wonders of the universe. It's more complex. Actually, one cell is more complex. One, one cell in your brain is more complex than the whole uh, telecommunication systems of the world. It happened by an accident. It was all serendipitous and fortuitous. And those of you who still buy into chemical evolution, it's been disproven. It doesn't work. Chemicals do not procreate. The DNA paradigm can't be reconciled to chemical, some, some uh, you know, warm little pond kind of thing, and the chemicals generating some kind of living thing. It's, it's too complex. The living cell is simply too complex. God is there. Anthony Flew is right. Thomas Nagel is right. Thomas Nagel is an atheistic philosopher, contemporary. He's alive. He's still an atheist, but he says evolution does not explain man. And any thinking person who will spend, I don't know, a half a day on it will understand. Will understand. So verses uh, 3 through 9, I'm not going to read them again. It's just a thunderstorm. And David is having a good time worshiping the Lord. I couldn't help but think of Habakkuk 3.4. This is the hiding of His power. Two trillion galaxies is the hiding of His power. Oh, and you're afraid? You know, God talks about Hebrews 11, verse 3. God brings the, the creation into the faith chapter. Okay, God brings creation into the faith chapter. Hebrews 11.3. Uh, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by God. Okay, So why does God bring creation into the faith chapter? Why do you think He does that? You know what He's saying, right? Hey man, I spoke two trillion galaxies into existence and I'm upholding them by the word of my power. I'm all you need. 
all you need. You go be a fearless, bold witness for, the, for my son. I'm all you need. You don't need anything else. I know that's why... There may be many other reasons, but I know that's at least one reason it's in the faith chapter. Creation is mentioned in the faith chapter. And there it is, verse 9. Verse 9, the title of the book. And in His temple, everything says glory. And what is the ultimate temple of God? It's the cosmos. It's the cosmos. So everything from the microscopic creature under the rock in the deepest part of the ocean to the asteroid on the far side of the universe, everything says Jesus Christ is glorious. And anything that comes against that truth, you know where it's coming from. It's coming from the liar. He was a liar from the beginning. He wants to, he wants to, take, he wants to take createdness from you because if He can take createdness from you, you lose all possible moorings and bearings. You lose your foundation. You lose your possibility for, you know, not only a great temporal life, but an eternal life. If He can take createdness from you, He has taken everything from you. So, hey, does the book matter? I think it matters. That's, that's what's at stake. Why do you think Satan and the world attacks Genesis 1 and 2? Why do you think they do it? An unrelenting attack. Why do you think they do it? He knows what's at stake. Satan knows if he can get you to buy into uncreatedness, it's all over for you. It's all over for you. It's just all over. He's trying to steal what God has made you for. What was it, Amy? It was something good. You said it. Satan wants to steal what God made you to do, which was to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. <clears throat> Satan would love to steal that from you. I just want to touch uh, verse 11 real quick. The Lord will give strength to His people. You see it? David's talking about this thunderstorm again, which is the hiding of His power. But David's in awe. David's worshiping. And the Lord will give strength to His people. I just want to say to you again, what are you afraid of, man? What are you afraid of? Do you really believe in this great Creator God who speaks two trillion galaxies into existence? You know, hey, if you don't want to believe me about Darwin because, you know, it has been drummed into you since you were six, I don't expect every one of you to walk out of here and just take my word for it. I would love for you to read the book and... Come talk to me about it. Shoot it down. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm not wrong. Is that arrogance? No. It's logic. It's rationality. It's inference to the best explanation. This is what science does. The historical sciences... It's not like, you know, chemistry. Chemistry is what it is. But historical science, it's always based on interpretation. It's always based on interpretation. Inference to the best. What is the best explanation for this limitless cosmos and your mind? And 3.5 billion characters in every one of my cells. What's 
what's the best explanation? An infinite mind? You know, uh, even, even atheist scientists are, are acknowledge, how do you get a temporal mind from physics and chemistry? How do you ever get a mind from physics and chemistry? N well, this is just a good question. <laughs> you can't do it. There's no logical, coherent explanation for such a thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that mankind is without excuse. Does it matter? I remember I, I preached a series on Genesis 1 and 2 and I'm done. And a man came up to me, a well-meaning man. He said, Jim, what difference does it make? Why are you going to fight on this hill? Why challenge accepted science? Well, you should never ask a pastor that. You shouldn't ask a biblical pastor, a biblical preacher that. Because he'll always tell you, if he's worth his salt, he'll always tell you the truth matters. Actually, the truth matters. As some of you know, we're kind of in a post-truth era. We're certainly in a post-Christian era. And... We, we, we've entered into, at least in my own lifetime, a post-truth era. So, it's up to you. You read. You study. You worship. Or not. It's up to you, beloved. It's up to you. And I, I have to bow to Amy's point. Um, there were 12 people here August 7th, 2016 when I preached Psalm 29. And it was a, you know, you know, a pastor never likes to see 12 people, including himself, in the congregation. It's a little bit of, a little bit of a discouragement. You know what happened? One of the women in that church later told me that sermon radically changed her life. So, you know, two or more, If you don't know about these matters, if you're confused about these matters, if you just want a place to start, I write at my level, okay? It's a very basic level. You can understand what I'm saying. You can certainly understand the quotes of scientists. And it's this bluff, and I'm done. It's this bluff in, the, in academia. Well, he's not a scientist. He can't understand. You know, they're like, they're like ancient priests who have some secrets that nobody else uh, can, can uh, you know, understand. As Douglas Axe says, Ph.D. molecular biologist, if you have average intelligence, you don't need technical knowledge to understand the big questions. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> it's just true. Okay. Everything says glory. And I'll just use this. This will be my application. Is that true in your life? Does your life say glory? It's the only reason you're still on the planet. Does your life say glory?
Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the text. Thank you for the truth. Lord, some of us in this room must confess that we haven't been in awe of You in a long time. That is an oversight of unspeakable proportions. If we are not in awe, we are not looking and thinking. You are the great Creator God. Two trillion galaxies is the hiding of Your power. Lord God, if we would own these truths, we would be in love with You and we would be bold in the world. So Lord, help us. We're all in different places. We've been taught a lot of goofy things, many of us. Lord, lead us into truth. It's all we ask. Lead us into truth. We pray all this in the matchless and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.